Hi, I'm Rachel Ingrind, and this is Brain Yapping, Battle Damaged, a podcast where me and my friend and renowned neuroscientist Dean Burnett discuss all matters mental health, because 2020 really did its best to kick the crap out of ours. We didn't discuss who was going to speak first, did we? So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to go, hi, Rachel. And I was like, hi, dude. Yeah, that's just fine. staring blankly into the ether. There we I'm go. leaving that in. I, mean, I think yeah. that's a good way to start. That's great. And we're off to a great start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolute confusion. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on. But, you know, it's 2021. That's pretty much the default for a lot I mean, of people. That, that's like its whole MO, isn't it? Mm. Yes. You've just gone on a trip, haven't you? Um, I, I've actually been on a couple of trips recently, oh, which, yes, is, um, which has been nice. So actually, the last time we spoke, last time we recorded, um, I was about to go on holiday, if you mm. recall. Yes, I do. And um, then about two days later, I got a ping from the old Test and Trace app saying that I'd been in contact with someone I needed a PCR test. So off I off I trundled down the road to do my civic duty, and it turns <laughs> out that it, it was positive. Oh, Christ. <laughs> um, but... If anyone needs uh, more of an argument to get the vaccine, um, I had COVID, but I did not have a single symptom, completely asymptomatic. So all it really involved for me was just a huge amount of faff in reorganising my holiday and like dealing with work and stuff. But yeah, absolutely zero effect on my health whatsoever. So get the vaccine. (laughs) Silver lining, etc. So um, you did go on holiday and you recently been to Glasgow as well I mean, was, yes yeah. so I went up to Glasgow um long time listeners of this show mm. will have uh, heard us mention our mutual friends Lowry um and Becky before Becky lives up in Glasgow so we went up to surprise her um we've been organizing the trip for a few months um we were absolutely sure that she'd sprung us but no apparently not <laughs> cool. we like we were like hid in the corner of a restaurant and she came around the corner and just sort of like I could see like you know when you look you know when you're like looking at somebody and you can see that they're, they're trying to like comprehend it's like they're they're buffering you can see <laughs> yeah. it in their like facial expression <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what happened becky was like i'm in glasgow here mm. are my friends and i know both but they shouldn't be together this is entirely out of context and it was like yeah like becky.x had just stopped <laughs> yeah. working yeah i, I can you put it on um when we put it on, on instagram when i saw that i saw her face going like uh, yeah, exactly. Just, like, yeah. just flatline for a second, but it, Becky it was, is not responding. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a nicer uh, grown-up version, uh, a more positive grown-up version of when you're a kid and you see your teacher in a non-school environment. And yes, it, and you're like, like, this can't possibly be right. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you aren't here. You are in school. That, that's what I see you. <laughs> yes. This is a supermarket. You don't go shopping. You just you exist in the school. Yeah. This the wall, is not the how the world works. The walls of my works. universe are crumbling <laughs> yeah. around me. Yeah. It's really profound when that was your kid. No, 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 you can't talk to a teacher outside school. That's that. That's not the rules. You yeah, can't it's do a, that. It's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it, it's really sort of a... I find it a very profound experience uh, as a child, and then you sort of figure out that oh no, they are actually just normal humans who just wander around outside school hours, existing uh, like yes, they have exactly. every right to do. How how dare they exist beyond my own comprehension? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's an important learning curve when you're a kid. It's yeah. um, it's well well done keeping something like that secret for months. So that's actually quite a oh, logistical so, challenge, isn't it? It was so hard. I mean, not only the logistical element of it, but we were all so excited. Like, mm. I I'm one of these people that like. At, at Christmas or birthdays, when it's 
giving presents. I just get too excited about giving, about like giving the mm. gift or the surprise <clears throat> of it. So actually the hardest part of, of the whole trip was actually not just going, Becky, we're coming to see you! Because <laughs> we were all so excited about it. Yeah, was there some sort of, it's uh, also the excitement of seeing a friend who answered is good enough in his own right, but... Oh, the, of course, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, it wasn't like, look what we've done, everybody, it was like that, obviously, it, with the excitement of seeing Becky, yeah. No, but I meant, like, it was, that, was like the whole thing of travelling still, I imagine, quite a novelty, so there must have been some sort of element of that to it as well. Yes, absolutely, um, one of the, one of the girls that came with us, um, she has been playing it extremely safe with isolating because her housemates got some health issues at the moment so um when, when we were in the airport she was she just sat there like completely bewildered because this really had been one of the first times she'd been out of the house for like two years um and she's like there's so many people people you know it was it was quite baffling for her lover um but it was it was um it was interesting how quickly she sort of like reintegrated it. I guess it's like riding a bike in a lot of ways, isn't it? You're like, oh, I remember how to do these things, you know? Yes, yeah, but it's also like, it, it comes back to us later on, the whole um, seeing your teacher outside of school when you're a kid, but it's, you know, you, you grow used to a certain set of rules how the world works, and mm. the pandemic's gone long enough that we're now used to having, I don't know, right, right, I don't see people, like I stay indoors, we keep our distance, we don't see friends, and that becomes kind of, you know, your idea of how things work now and then to have that change and challenge is like whoa it takes you it just hit, it hits you in a sort of you know uh unsettling way not a, not a negative but it sort of it, your brain's going oh okay so okay th- th- this isn't how things work i thought but i guess i have to update things now so yeah mm, absolutely so what have you been up to uh well uh not well it it was fun it was it was very nice but not not sort of uh, as positive i guess that uh since we last spoke, I actually we have had my father's wake, uh, mm. eighteen months after his passing, which was you know I, I'm not saying that's a record, but it's got to be that's that's a typical I imagine for how long it usually takes. And it was yeah, uh, yeah it was a very interesting experience, I guess. Well, this I mean this is what we're going to talk about today, isn't it? It's the idea of almost like not delayed grief, but the um event in which you're supposed to you know unburden yourself and release all of the grief being so far from the traumatic mm. event itself and how you've managed during that period it's been really odd because um i've, I've talked about this with other, other people and i've written about it for my next uh, tome which is coming out uh, you know just over a year so I'll, I'll i'm sure i'll be talking about this again but you know I, the experience of having a lockdown funeral was uh disconcerting you know it was it was odd. Like it was never meant to happen that <clears throat> that way, and not that I ever you know, had ideas how my father's funeral was going to go. But I knew, I never thought it'd be like that. Mm. But it's still, you know, as massively reduced as uh, compared to what it should have been. Because my father was an extremely popular man. We had like at his wake, there was like a good like, two hundred people there, and that's just the ones who could come. Uh, with several dropouts because of scheduling and distance, and some people still looking after, you know, being sh- shielded and stuff. And <clears throat> so that's like two hundred people there, and. It was, uh, I don't know, it was a very fun night. It's exactly what my father wanted. Like, no black. There was um, all Hawaiian shirts and colours and stuff. Because my father always oh, said, fab. always said, no black at my funeral. I don't want any black at my at my wake. And then, do you know when you have, like, sort of last-minute doubts when you think something, hang on a minute, was that right? Did, 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 at the very last second, you sort of question yourself, you know, before you commit to something. Because mm. I was, like, driving off uh, in the car in the Hawaiian shirt. And, like, it's a sunny part. I think, wait. 
he wasn't saying no blacks his entire time, was he? He wasn't like a, a, secret, a secret racist. Oh, no. And, yeah. and he was just saying, like, I'm not going to do it when I'm alive. When I'm dead, you can. I'm not having it. Yeah, you <laughs> so, crack on. Put it in yeah. the will, yeah. Yeah, like, no, no, no. You can't have been. That, that would be sort of character. But you have those moments of self-doubt, you think. Because it's not typical, is it? I mean, when you, yeah, you, go for, you go for a wake, it's normally... Well, it's normally right after the funeral, and we didn't do that. But, um, yeah, so the funeral itself mm. was horrible, obviously, one of the worst mm. things I've ever done. But entirely necessary and I've sort of looked into that it's it's the ritual of it it's the it's the ability to do something I think that's the main part of it I know every culture has funerals of different sorts and stuff and they're always sad and traumatic affairs but I do think they're necessary they're part of the process because you know it's an official way of saying goodbye uh, but it's, although it's ostensibly for the deceased it's, it's mostly for those who are still left uh, be able to come together and say you know, we love this person we are sad to see them go but we have done something i think it imparts a sense of control in a situation mm. which is otherwise seriously lacking in it that's one of the yes, reasons why absolutely grief is so upsetting because you know you've lost someone you didn't want to lose you can do nothing about it and it shows like the world is far more uh, dangerous and uncertain than you thought so you've lost so much you know your daily life has been kicked out from under you and you can't do anything to fix it. The injustice of it, the unfairness, the you want to stop the grief, but you can't. So massive loss of control, just hugely stressful to your typical human brain. And a funeral sort of gives some of it back. And I think that's one of the things why lockdown funerals are sort of perhaps on, and then, you know, a halfway house because you want to do the funeral, but you can't do it how you want to do it. So I'm not sure if like it's better or worse to say, well, at least you do something, but there's something you can do isn't what you want to do. So, yeah, I wondered if, pure speculation but if a lot of lockdown funerals haven't had the therapeutic or beneficial effects that a funeral would normally have for the population yeah i i agree um and i think that what you say there about funerals being ostensibly for the living aren't they mm. you know they're for the people that love the person to get together and i, I think I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why um when people say things like, oh, I don't care, do whatever you want when I'm dead, you know, <clears throat> um, that, that can be quite upsetting for people because obviously the, hmm. the person in question is gone and it doesn't affect them anymore. Yeah. But it's the, the people left behind that are like, why don't you care about this? And it's like, well, I won't care because I'll be gone. But obviously <laughs> yeah. they care, you know, yeah. and, the, and they they want their sort of sadness and their grief to be recognised. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a very, and, um, yeah. And so that's, and that's why it's so important for people to be able to come together <clears throat> and as you say, have that kind of therapeutic and cathartic release. Mm. Um, I went to a, I, I went to a Zoom funeral at the very beginning of the pandemic last year, and I remember just thinking, "This is the weirdest thing." Yeah, like <laughs> this is very surreal. Um, and I think from from speaking from just from my experience, thinking it almost didn't feel like the person in question was really gone. Because I was like, well, I've just I've just watched this thing on a screen, you know, that I can't actually like equate that to real life in a way. Yeah, and I've, I I found that myself is in because you know pre the lockdown had happened when my father died, and it's still it's it's only recently been quote unquote lifted, however you want to describe it. Um, but like so, in case of, I I wouldn't have seen him anyway, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but it's still valid. I think. I, you know, I, yes, I haven't seen him because he's gone, but I wouldn't have seen him. It's particularly hard for my kids as well because obviously they got used to not seeing anyone. 
So I have to keep reminding my youngest that her grandfather has died, not that he's just not, you know, we haven't seen him because of work or because of lockdown or because of the rules and stuff. And it's uh, it's not easy to, you know, to have to keep, you know, that to keep coming back again and again because she's mentioned mm. it, asking like, oh, oh, yeah, he's gone, isn't he? It's, oh, oh, thanks. Yes, yes, he is lovely. That's um, that's uh, that's something to, which I you know, one of the things they don't tell you about when you lose someone is like, if your kids are young, they'll just keep mentioning it because they don't know any different, you know, it's not, there's no malice in it whatsoever. But so having the wake finally was, I feel better for it. I think everyone did. Everyone wanted mm. to sort of come together and celebrate. It was a celebration, definitely. Like the, the guy who, we had it in the um, uh, the venue where Dad always had his big Christmas parties because he loved all that. That was his main thing, sort of getting everyone together and being the big man. Mm. So it was technically the perfect send off because it's all about him. His photos everywhere and stuff. And it was actually two days after what would have been his 60th birthday. So it was even like a little happy birthday table in the corner, which was. You know, <clears throat> Sad but nice in a, in a sort of way, and then we're sort of talking about him and doing tributes. And the guy who owned the venue, he was such a good customer, he actually put on a free firework display, which was uh, oh, wowzers! Yeah, I mean, I, it, it could well have been the case of you had the old fireworks fall last year and nothing happened because obviously they were, um, uh, you know, there was no you know, not do much firework displays last year because of lockdown and stuff. So, but even then, you know, we didn't have to do that. It was clearly it was a big deal it was like several thousand pounds worth just being set on fire and released into the sky and uh, I'm not a big fireworks fan though so I, I was like yeah that's nice I'm, I'm sure that's, that's, it's a very lovely gesture but um, I'm just, you know, I'm, while everyone's outside I'm just going to go to the bar because <laughs> that's a little less of a queue right Stand now at the bar. Yeah. so I have a question yeah you said that the you know the wake it was a celebration hmm. and you guys were wearing Hawaiian shirts and at the fireworks and everybody was giving tributes and and it was you know it, it was a sort of a joyful bittersweet yeah. joyful experience do you th- how do you think the wake might have gone had you been able to have it in an, a, a normal timeline you know if it had been a week or two after your father's actual passing yeah i mean like i think my family tradition is right after the <clears> funeral <throat> you just go straight to the wake and then sort of mm. toast their memory and go home i i it would have been a you know, yeah, assuming like he'd passed for other reasons, not because of COVID, because I think that's that's the big deal, and that we couldn't get together. That's why it's been mm. taking so long. So if it was some other reason and we could get together, social distancing mixing wasn't a problem. Yeah, I think it would have been a much sadder affair. It would have been much um, more, you know, emotionally wrought. I think we, one of the benefits is that people have the time to come to terms. Is probably the wrong wrong word, but no, like the the initial impact of the grief is has a time to fade a bit, or at least fade into the background and I think that was helpful I mean like I was sort of worried that there would be um you know aggro because it, it often is at wakes everyone's emotional everyone's drunk and it's a it's a bit of you know it's a tumultuous affair sometimes mm. but no I think everyone was just so happy to see each other again and um and to, to, to be in each other's company and to share and swap stories and just have fun and celebration that sort of you know if, if there was any emotional uh, negative emotional connection between people it was never played out mm. but I think if we had done it quickly afterwards that might have been the case because you know the scores settle in like my father was very much the um, the linchpin of the family like lots of aggro which he sorted out and mm. without him that could have come to the fore you know not, not that special I'm sure that goes for every family with a certain figurehead in place and um, that didn't happen and I'm pleased for that so part of me thinks this was like the better case scenario compared to mm. what, could have, what it could have been. Yes, exactly. And I, I mentioned, you know, in, in, in sort of the immediate aftermath at Awake, it's the, the grief and the, the shock 
and the pain is so raw that I mean I wonder if people are sort of looking a lot more inwardly because they are dealing with this this sudden trauma whereas the you know the I'd say a benefit but being able to leave that a longer period of time where you yourself said you know you are able to sort of make a little bit more peace with it when you all did come together it was less about looking inwardly and looking and more about looking outwardly at everybody together and what your father represented to everybody mm. yeah i think that's a big part of it in that you know we, <clears throat> you've had time to sort of process the loss i mean obviously it's they were friends of friends there and uh, people connected to my father indirectly and so on so it was a big um you know it was a very big melting pot of different people anyway and perhaps i'm perhaps i'm doing most of a disservice because i'm this is all about my own family and th they do have a history of um <laughs> sort of causing issues at uh certain ceremonies like this my uncle's wedding was uh notorious uh, when he was this is like 40 years ago now easily but um there was a there was a lot of fighting afterwards uh Apparently, the bride thought they they were their family was better than my family, and my family took issue with that. And father of the the bride particularly didn't like one of my other uncles, who was like he saw the snot nosed kid, sort of like a troublemaker. And I got a bit drunk and had him pinned against the wall. Said, "You're, you're I never like you." And then my grandfather, oh, just, my grandfather decided to deck him, which he did quite, quite uh, you know, the, the classic old mine and rugby type, you know, like take your hands off him, good boy. <laughs> just, uh, there was a lot of that. so. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm really generalizing far too much when it comes to other people here, because that's how that's how my lot tend to do things. So, um, yeah, but again, that's that's there. Obviously, that sort of that history, that um, uh, fiery temperament. But no, it was it was none of that at all. But yeah, I, I'm sort of struggling with it in terms of I feel better for it. I'm glad it happened, and it's good. Like I couldn't pin down why. I mean, I couldn't pin down how I've gone from one state to the other since the wake. Um, I think maybe it was just because it hadn't happened yet, and I was worried about it. Maybe that was a big part of it. Well, because you were you were still in this kind of, I mean, in this in this in our culture, the grieving process or the the practicalities around the grieving process. You know, there's there's a an accepted way of doing things, isn't there? You know, there's the funeral, mm. there's the wake, there's the reading of the will, and it all it all sort of goes in this specific order. Um, and you know, it's it's not uncommon, is it, for for people that have lost someone very close to them that in in the in the lead up to the funeral, you know, they're very busy, they're doing this, they're organising that, it's all focused on this one event, and it's not until afterwards that they actually kind of break and feel, you know, the the mm. truth, the feelings. So I wonder if, in your case, the wake you you knew it was always coming, and. And because it is such an established part of the the grieving and closure process, you were just kind of stuck in this limbo. Yeah. And yeah. and now you've had the wake. You're like, okay, everything has been sort of done properly, and we've and we've honoured my father in the way that we should. And now, you know, you don't have any forthcoming, you know, father related yeah. events, so you can sort of breathe a bit easier. Yeah, that, that could well be a part of it. I mean, I think you know. It, if looked at it that way, I'm wondering if they would be perhaps I'd I'd end up advising people to have a you know a much bigger gap between um, you know funeral and wake because mm. I think you know because when the funeral happened I was still in a very very emotionally raw place and that takes a lot of time to get through that I mean it, it never it never goes away but you you, know, you become more functional again you I say the, the grief gets not smaller but you know easier to handle and it becomes a part of you and so on and so on 
But I think when you, you know, the funeral normally happens very quickly after the person dies and having the wake straight afterwards, you still be very much in the throes of grief. And yeah. it won't, you know, it's, it's going to be m- many more months before it goes away. So I think maybe having like the <clears throat> the wake much later helped lead to a better sense of closure in terms mm. of, you know, like had the funeral, awful, but, you know, we still did it and it was necessary and was helpful. And then over time, just sort of like uh, I, I've had time to work through it and become you know, more at peace with what happened. And then having the wake was like a nice sort of, ah, okay, right. So that's that period of my life, which is uh, done. But yeah, having the wake when I'm in a better place to deal with it, and you know, more philosophical and, like I say, looking less inward, looking more outward. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a helpful thing. Maybe it's something, yeah, maybe it's something I should recommend. Yeah, so, and, you, and you know, I, I don't I don't think the we'd be the first people to sort of come up with the idea either. Um, a, a friend mm. of mine uh, went through a similar thing during lockdown where she lost an uncle that she's very close to. Um, and they, they had a, a Zoom funeral. Um, and then they themselves have only recently had the wake. And, and she said very, very similar things to you, which is it was very hard, you know, and I, I felt like I was kind of living in this limbo. But when the time came to get together with everyone to have the wake, I was in a much stronger mm. um, sort of, emotionally stable and positive optimistic place and it actually made for a much more memorable and, and joyous occasion than mm. had it happened had the had the wake happened and you know in the in, immediately following the funeral when everyone is sort of desperately desperately sad yeah well i, th- I do like that as a, as a thing in that um i think i think you do need the funeral quickly because you know, you need to be able to say you've done something. Of course, yeah. But the, but the wake isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be the same part of it. I mean, in terms of just pure logistics, well, everyone's together already. You might as well, you know, sort of you know, drink your sorrows away if that's you mm. know, if that's how you do things. Or, you know, your spiritual mileage may vary. Depends on what you want to do. <laughs> and it's not gonna say everyone has to get absolutely bladdered after a funeral. <laughs> Although, I mean, a lot of people adopt that philosophy, shall we say? Um, so yeah, like so you know, the, the funeral helps with a sense of you. You've done something. You've done the hard part, and you can you can, but then give that time to settle to to, to bed in, and then mm-hmm. have the wait later is perhaps a nice way to say right, you know, light and shade. You know, like we've done the the hard upsetting part. Now we're going to do the the fun joyous part. But you need time to be able to get into a mindset where you can actually do that, and that's you know that's that's helpful. So I wonder if there's some. Um sort of mirroring to um, other life events, such as, right, let's say a wedding, for example. Now, obviously, a wedding and a funeral, vastly different <laughs> vibes. But um, a mutual friend of ours, Matt, recently got married um, yes. over in, in Canada. How rude of him. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a Zoom wedding, yes. which, again, was just weird to watch because we were like, they're getting married, but it's like on the other side of the world and we can only see them on a screen yeah. and what the hell. Um, but I've spoken to him a few times about, like, well... Is I, I mean, is that it? And they were like, no, 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 we're going to have like a, a proper sort of like quote unquote wedding when when we're back. Um, but both both he and she have said that actually having done the legal bit and done that we are now married and we are man and wife means that the eventual wedding slash party takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah, well, I sort of I sort of had that myself because um, I, I remember recording. My, my, the wife in question disappeared at the door. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, 
I still have that myself because uh, my wife and I got married technically twice because um, my, my wife's Indian and we had an Indian ceremony first where we signed the um, you know, the official certificate and things and <coughs> then came, um, they had the sort of the Hindu ceremony afterwards because uh, I think I've mentioned before but my father-in-law is youngest of 13. The family is uh, vast on that side. They, like, they're, they're large. All, I know like, you know, people say they were old. No, like they all survived into pensionerhood and uh, they all had kids of their own so my wife was born an auntie to people who were like who had their own kids so it's a it's logistic nightmare to try and get them everyone together I and mean, I told you what my family's like the, the culture clash would have been funny but it would have been hard to hard to manage so we did a separate British ceremony two weeks later and uh, that was you know it was a lot more fun as a result because like I say well we don't have to do the the legal mumbo jumbo to the side we have, we, there's no you know, if anyone has any objection they can't. <laughs> We've already married. There's it's no, um, done. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had uh, my, 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 my mate Dave was a registrar. I actually had, made, made it, had him say that. He said, if anyone has any objections, um, too bad, too late. They're already married. <laughs> so that was, yeah. Not that anyone did, but it was a nice bit of touch. So, but yeah, I, I definitely have experienced that. It is nice to be able to say the hard bit's done. And this is the nice bit that we will enjoy. And um, mm. like, I, I was I was actually at Matt's Zoom wedding. I didn't put the camera on because it had been an incredibly long day with the kids and I was exhausted and I was barely coherent. So I want, I want to be here and see this, but I'm, uh, I'm wiped. So I just kept my camera off and, uh, but I was joining in the chat occasionally and, uh, I did actually, have, um, I managed to stop myself because obviously it's a zoom wedding. I'm just staying on my laptop and like say, Oh, if anyone's got any comments in the chat, just leave them here. And I, <laughs> the comment I managed to stop myself saying was lovely wedding, tricky wank, which would have, uh, <laughs> Probably gone down badly with the rest of us. Oh song. God! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Yeah. See, we obviously had a we had a you know a pre-wedding chit chat with some of the the Canadian mm. contingent, and they're yeah. also very very nice. That was, but I, that I, would not have yeah, gone exactly. down well. <laughs> I witnessed a lot. I thought, you know what? This is not the right crowd for this. Song. No, no. Choose your audience, and yeah. that ain't it. And also, I've I've never met the bride. I don't think she needs that. <laughs> She'd be like, Matt, your friends are weird. Also, that's it. Is, it, is that the writer? <laughs> oh, Christ, yes. Yeah. That, that, that's your famous science friend, yeah? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they're Jesus. just making himself known. <laughs> yeah, I think he's on a tough day for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and I think I think that's probably the, the case with so many things is doing doing the hard bit and then, you know, being being free to enjoy uh, other elements of it I mean uh, that's just applicable to everything in life in so many ways isn't it you know like if I'm if I'm in my house and I'm like oh my god this place is a dump like I need to tidy it up I can't really relax until it's done mm. and then it's done and I'm like oh that's nice the hard bit's done and now I can do the enjoyable bit which is sort of sitting on my ass um and so I guess it's a very similar process for these strong human emotions that we have in terms of you know grief and joy Totally, yeah. And I think it sort of just uh, speaks to perhaps the, the wisdom of, uh, I hate to say, think outside the box, but we always do things, we have, a, we have a set way of doing things a lot of the time. And if one thing the pandemic has taught us is that a lot of the time those aren't essential, those aren't necessary. Like you have to go to the office to work, otherwise there's no other option. And no, it turns mm. out you can. You, 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 know, you can't have meaningful interactions online, it turns out you can. And now it turns out, well, you know, you normally you'd have the wake right after the funeral or you'd have the <coughs> wedding ceremony right after the, uh, the wedding part right after the ceremony. But you don't have to. You can introduce a delay and there's no actual, if anything, it helps. And I think that's mm. maybe something to 
you know, it, we, we, maybe it helps our psychological processing of things. Well, I mean, it, it it really speaks to the idea and the importance of sitting with your feelings, doesn't it? And this is this is something that yeah. I I was very resilient to when I first started having therapy because I was like, no, my feelings are gross. I don't want to sit with them. Ew. Um, you know, and then do all kinds of like damaging things to try and avoid that. But actually sitting with your feelings and having time with your feelings to process them is always the healthy way, is always the healthy thing to do. Absolutely. And that's one thing I've learned more than anything for this whole traumatic time. And it's not the main thrust of the next book, which I'm bringing out. And I just labour the point so much because it's so important. And even turns out that's why, uh, well, according to the evidence, that's why we like things like sad stories, sad music, you know, angry, angry music. Or these are ostensibly negative emotions. You no, know, like even like horror stuff. Like, why do we like to be scared? That's we, we try to avoid scary things instinctively. That's that's mm. the whole point. The fear. We don't like this. We want to get away from this. But you know, horror franchises are worth billions, and you know, it's a, it's a very popular format. And same with ang- you know, heavy metal, angry music, and. You know, <clears throat> no, tragedies and things like that and it turns out it's because it allows us these things allow us to experience these emotions which we don't normally get because we try to avoid them yeah and we don't want to be scared we want to avoid things that make us sad or angry and when that happens it means something negative has happened uh, but when we have like these entertainments which cause these feelings in us almost like in an abstract way so like a sad song which allows your brain to feel sad it allows it to sort of like i'm experiencing sadness but Nothing bad has happened. It's a very safe context, and I can stop mm. it whenever I want. So it gives That's... your brain the better ability to to handle that. It's all like basically it's giving your brain an emotional workout, and your brain becomes better at it, and we and it likes that. Yeah, I mean, would you say that it's also a little bit like a valve? Yeah, yes. like if if you yeah. if you've got some like burbling, low key sadness in the background, hmm. you're like, no, I can't feel that. That's you know not allowed. And then you sit down and you listen to a sad song, and you end up having a cry. Um, you know, asking for a friend. Um, and then it's actually very cathartic, isn't it? Because your brain's like, yes, the sadness, it's happening. Yeah, you know? It's a big part because the systems our brain use for processing emotions, which have built up in our memories and our, you know, our psyche and stuff, the systems just process those are the same system we use to actually experience them. So it's sort of like you can't process your emotions if you don't let yourself feel them. Because mm. it basically it's like, it's like blocking... It's like blocking the valve. You see, it's not you're not you're not activating the machinery which does that job, and that's why you look. A lot of studies will show that people who listen to heavy metal regularly they're actually the least angry people by and large because yes. they've just let it all out whilst listening to this <laughs> furious music, and then they just spend the rest of the day just picking daisies or whatever it is you do when you're angry. I don't know. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> an, an unthinkable state of being. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine it. But well, yes. In the modern world, yes, it's very rare to go a day without being angry about anything. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm not sure what we've learned, but I'm sure we've learned something. Yeah, I know, and that, you know what? I'm 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 happy to hear, like from you know, from obviously we're we're podcast co-hosts, but yes. I'm also your friend, and you are mine, and I'm happy to hear that this has been like a a positive yeah, event yeah. for you, you know. Yes, yeah, we really appreciate that. And um, also, I meant to clarify it on. Um, the reason you weren't invited to my wedding is because we hadn't met yet. And that's, oh, yes. That's, 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 that's the only thing. <laughs> Imagine people are like, wow, he's rude. <laughs> Didn't actually know him at the time. Yeah. Me and my wife worked out that we've, we're closely approaching the point where we've been together longer than we haven't in terms of our lifespan. So, um, no way. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, then, of course, I, I, I then she had to. When she said that, she goes, oh, yeah, there was a time when we weren't. I just 
just, like you say, you get so used to something. You don't. I forgot that there was a point when I wasn't married to her. So, uh, so that's nice. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you know, my my mum and dad said something the other week, which was like, um, the time that they've not been together in their lives, they could live like three times over or something for the amount of time they have been together. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know if that's really lovely or actually terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all joke about that, isn't it? Seeing like an old couple uh, get together on the, um, at the breakfast table and the husband starts crying because uh, what's the matter? He goes, oh, remember when we got married? It's because you were pregnant and your father said I can either marry you or go to jail. And he goes, yes, I would have been released today. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> It's a, it's an old school joke about oh, mother-in-laws and stuff. Oh, that's so. bleak. <laughs> Isn't it, yes? But kind of in too high a note. It'll be off-brand. <laughs> All right, then. Well, yeah. I'm glad to have spoken to you today, Dean. You and, do, and we'll chat next week. No doubt. Dear Rich. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, once again, for listening. If you want to ask us anything, uh, mental health-related or anything, or would like to suggest a topic for Rachel and I to discuss, or even just leave feedback for some description, you can contact us via Twitter at BrainyapInPod, you can email us at BrainyapInPodcast at gmail.com, or use the form on my website, deanbennett.com. Uh, like with most podcasts, positive reviews and ratings are always helpful, so if you are inclined to leave us such a thing uh, on the podcast provider of your choice, that would be appreciated and helpful. Uh, this podcast was launched to coincide with the publication of my new book, Psychological, all about mental health and what's actually happening in our brains when we experience problems with it. Available now at all good book retailers and some of the less good ones too. And now the same goes for Rachel and her new book, Everyday Activism, How to Change the World in Five Minutes, One Hour or a Day. Also available now. As ever, Brain Yapping Battle Damaged is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more curiously entertaining podcasts, live streams and live events, blogs and documentaries, head to CosmicShambles.com. And to support the network and get access to lots of exclusive content, subscribe at patreon.com forward slash cosmic shambles. See you next time.